As a racer, you invest a ton of time, energy, and money into competition. You deserve to enjoy the fruits of that labor. To do so, it's imperative to bring the best version of yourself to the starting line in every round of competition. That's where thisisbracketracing.com comes in. Thisisbracketracing.com houses more than 350 training resources dedicated to helping you reach that goal through understanding and a focused approach to execution. The best part, when you visit thisisbracketracing.com, you get one training resource absolutely free. Better yet, you get to choose the training. It can be related to reaction time, finish, finish line driving, mechanical setup, and the mental game. Whatever best applies to your specific needs at this time. Take the next step to become the best on-track version of yourself today by logging on to thisisbracketracing.com slash fast brackets. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Today is episode number nine. It is the third week of June. We have a lot to talk about. So clean the shop, change the oil, make your commute to work, mow the yard, do whatever it is that you do while you're listening to podcast, um, because we have an absolutely elevated episode for you today. We have taken our performance to another level. Um, we will get you up to date on some results, standings. We will talk Father's Day. We will get out of the groove with a modern-day sports miracle. And additionally, we have Tyler Crossno, the head man at the PDRA on the show today, as well as Ed Olpin, dual threat on the national level in both top sportsman and top dragster. But before we get to today's show, get at me. You can tweet me um, at Fast Brackets on Twitter. You can like or message me on the Fast Brackets podcast page on Facebook, or you can email me um, with the email fastbrackets at outlook.com. Hey, get strapped in, fired up. We are ready to roll, so here we go. Okay, let's put it in the water box. Let's heat them up. Let's uh, let's get it going here. Joining us now, uh, the Outlaw Street Cart Reunion Director, the Virginia Motorsports Park Track Manager, and the head of PDRA, the Director of Operations, Tyler Crossno. Tyler, welcome to the show. Hey, man. How are you? Excellent. Um, hey, Tyler, you are uh, running a lot of different tracks and organizations right now. Um, a lot of responsibility. Uh, take us back. How did you get started in this stuff? Yeah, I uh, started out driving for a number of years in the bracket ranks and then ended up uh, hurting, a, hurting a motor and needing to find a job and ended up working at a local racetrack and kind of spiraled from there ended up uh ended up taking a job at vp racing fuels doing some traction consulting work for them and um after that went into to actually owning my own company and travel the globe doing 
event consulting, traction consulting for five years, and then fast forward to now sitting at, at Virginia Motorsports Park and, and PDRA Racing Series, along with keeping the, the Outlaw Street Girl Union event going that we've done for the last six years. So it's definitely been a been a busy 10 years, but it's been good. Yeah, if, if you're following along at home, uh, Tyler is 26. So he has gone from racing to um, doing track prep management and event management to running um, the PDRA in a matter of 10 years. That's uh, incredibly impressive. Did you think uh, when you first strapped in that this is the spot you'd be in? Uh, no, man, of course you'd, you know, you, when you start in something like that, I mean, it's just kind of like, Hey man, I'm just trying to get my motor back together and get back racing. <laughs> but, um, ended up finding a, finding a good place and finding something that is, is a good job, good, good market to be in. And, and then for have somebody like Tommy and Judy Franklin open the door and give me an opportunity to come over here, handle the responsibilities that I have now. And it's, it's been a good experience and looking forward to many years to come in the future. No doubt. Um, and so, so now you are running the PDRA. Um, we've got uh, an event coming up this weekend out South Georgia. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. We're uh, actually next weekend for for South Georgia, the last weekend of June. Yeah. And okay. um, looking looking like we're gonna have a good strong car count. Um, some of the guys out of Florida that don't get to come race with us. A lot of those guys have called and expressed an interest to come up and race with us. And we're we're looking forward to having having some new faces around with the PDRA and then um, all our, our regular guys that are chasing after the championship in the eight race series. Yeah, and, and you guys do something which um, is different than most um, other organizations right now, certainly in the NHRA and the Midwest Pro Mod Series. Um, and I'm, I'm not convinced that this isn't ultimately how this thing shakes out, but you guys run an elite uh, division for the top 16 qualifiers, and then the next group is what you call your regular division for the next 32 qualifiers. So you qualify 48 cars or um, dragsters. Uh, how did that come about? How did that division come about, and how's that gone? Yeah, um, a couple of years back before I was actually involved in the series, they um, they were struggling a little bit to get a car count in, in top sportsman, top dragster, and then came up with the idea of splitting the class to where, you know, the – the normal top sportsman racer that goes and runs an HRA and quarter mile trim that's that's in the 14, 420 range wasn't going to qualify in a in a 16 car field with with the cars that are running 380s, 390s, and there are an abundance of those in in top dragster and top sportsman with with the PDRA series. So that opened the door to a number of cars that are in the 14, 440 range that now have a place to race. And they could run for a championship. They run for good guaranteed purses. Um, elite pays four thousand in both, and then the regular class place pays three thousand in both, and it pays back on both fields, um, very deep in the rounds. So payouts are are very strong for across the board. And then the the biggest thing too is just being able to to go race and and know that you have somewhere to go. Um, a lot of guys. You know, it, it's hard to go spend the amount of money that you have to do with these cars to to make them happen, and then go in it, go in and qualify, and then you're number seventeen and you don't get a dime and you don't even get to race. And that, that's a hard that's a hard deal for somebody that spends that much money on a program. And then that was that was the main thing, and it's it's been a major success um, as far as just this year. Um, I think our worst top sportsman count's been fifty or fifty five. So. We're uh, we're definitely really on a strong 
on a strong way, and we're hoping to um, hoping to continue that going into South Georgia, and then Dragway 42 in Ohio will be a uh, be a big one. We um, had a rain out race last year in Ohio and had an excellent had an excellent car count in um, in both top sportsman and top dragster. We never got to run a car down the racetrack due to weather, but um, we're really looking forward to to finishing up the rest of the year and think we'll have another another strong season in the sportsman ranks at PDRA. Yeah, I like it. And your point is uh, well taken. I mean, on the elite side, you can go four rounds, win four grand. That's pretty good. Um, and then um, you're also running a series points championship on the regular side as well, correct? Correct, yes. Um, there's a, a championship in elite and a championship in the regular. That's that's huge. Um, you know, that essentially that means there's a place for everybody in our classes. And, um, you know, I I'm not uh, a fortune teller, but, man, it seems to have worked really well for you guys. It it feels like that could be something that uh, works for a lot of divisions going forward. Um, yeah, yeah, most definitely. It, it's definitely helped the car count, um, solidified a lot of racers, some place to race, and, and a lot of those guys have, have built their schedules around our eight-race series because of knowing that they get somewhere to race, knowing that they're running for a big-time championship, and running it with a class organization that you know what you're going to get when you pull in the door with a PDRA. Yep. No, there's no doubt. Um, well, as the series director, um, what what's next for the, the PDRA and uh, what's next for these top sportsmen, top dragster classes, in your opinion? Yeah. Um, I mean, we're, we're definitely looking for, for ways to improve our, our show. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, we we are in the racing business, but we're also in the entertainment business. Um, it's it's a deal where we're trying to put more people in the stands, and to do that, we have to put on the best show and, and the time constraints that we do to make it where it's a, a easy in and out show for a lot of people. Um, you know, with the PDRA, we also have Pro Nitrous Pro Boost, Extreme Pro Stock with Mountain Motors, uh, Pro Nitrous Motorcycle Outlaw Six Thirty Two. Uh, a couple of races have Outlaw Ten Five for small tire fans, and then we also have the Top Sportsman Top Dragster, and then the pro junior dragster and top junior dragster fields for, for the kids. And that's, that also kind of turns into a family environment where parents can come run top sportsman, top dragster or any of the pro classes. And then their kids can come run the junior class. So it, it really is, isn't an organization where anybody and everybody can come race. Um, we also have bracket bash that we run during the weekend. So if you don't qualify in top sportsman or top dragster, you also fall to bracket bash and you all you still will get to race whether you make the field or not you, you may run bracket bash one weekend because the field the car count was big but at the same time you you still have a chance to come race and, and that's that was the main thing that we all looked at whenever whenever we were in the off season making plans is you know it more people are going to make that pool if they know that they're going to get to race and we feel like that the racer count this year has been the best it's ever been um, coming off of an event at Maryland where we were up over 60 cars from the best Maryland race we've ever had, um, had ride at 290 entries, and it was arguably the best Maryland racer count we've ever had with the PDRA, and we're looking forward to, to building on that success and hopefully carry that to the rest of our events this season. And then going into next year, we're focused on building the show and trying to make it more of a fan interaction deal to where fans can come out. They, I mean, you just like any drag race, you can get up close and personal, get autographs and all that. But we really want to emphasize that, make the fans realize that, you know, PDRA is the place to come race. And the 
the cars and the stars and all that. I mean, it's you know people people understand that John Force is, is big in the NHRA, but at the same time, it's it's hard to get John Force to come sign an autograph at times because he is so busy. You know, you got guys like Tommy Franklin, Jay Cox, Lizzie Musi that's and Lizzie's been on a roll here lately with all her stuff and right. building her reputation and, and everything as far as being a driver and doing the no prep stuff with street with street outlaws and it's been a great deal for for us on the pdra side because because fans come in and and understand that you know lizzie's doing that and you see lizzie on television which people can relate to what they see on tv and that's a big thing for that's a big thing for everybody involved and and we're looking forward to to bringing that bringing that reputation and, and building onto that, building on our racer success and putting that in front of the fans to, to hopefully put more people in the stands and go forward in 2020. I like it. Yeah. Um, from, uh, from a bracket standpoint, you, you know, what it allows guys to do, like you said, is they're going to race when they show up um, and they're going to race cars that are very close to their ET. So it makes them feel competitive right in the gate. Plus the family atmosphere. I love all of it. Correct. Um, so um, let's see. So do you have anything um, else that is um, you think is kind of next step for for top sportsman or top dragster? Yeah, we're um, a lot of people know that at Virginia this year we we've taken ownership of the the Shakedown Nationals event. Uh, we're we're really pushing that deal hard and and looking to debut some stuff very soon, and and which will actually debut the the top sportsman program here on the podcast uh, we're going to do a 64 car pre-entry field for top sportsmen so it'll be 64 guys first 64 to pay to get in um and meet the meet all the requirements as far as the rule book goes and it'll be a 64 car shootout buy-in pre-entry you know you're, you know you're in the field and seventy five hundred dollars is up for grabs for the winter so big big payout for top sportsmen and we're we're proud to have that in our shakedown event also bring in 850 index which is a quarter mile class up north and then be more sportsman racing involved in that event along with pro mod radio versus the world x275 ldr a lot of the big time exciting small tire classes that people get to see at the oscr event that i also put on in kentucky and other events across the country we're we're proud to bring that to virginia and proud to bring that to to guys that race top sportsmen that arguably may have never seen those cars so it'll be a real fun event for top sportsman racers and it'll be a prestigious event for only 64 guys get to run this, and there's $7,500 up for grabs. And that's um, September 19th to the 21st at Virginia Motorsports Park. There you have it. Uh, breaking news um, for the top sportsman guys, 7500 to win, uh, 64 car field shootout. I love it. I love the breaking news aspect of it. And, uh, man, that I am sure yeah, you will that. get – get uh 64 cars in a hurry nicely done tyler i like it thank you thank you we appreciate it i mean we're looking forward to it it's going to be a going to be a real solid event hoping for around 275 300 cars on the grounds and a jam-packed rv campground and then the the stands will be filled up with exciting fans that are sitting back watching excellent racing for thursday friday and saturday fantastic well there you have it uh the man himself, the head man at PDRA, um, Tyler Crossnode. Tyler, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Come on anytime. Yes, sir. Thank you for the opportunity. We greatly appreciate it. Um, hope to see you all out of the PDRA race here shortly.
Next up, let's put it in the beams um, with your 1985 Super Gas Division 5 champion. He is also your 2015 Top Sportsman champion in Division 7. He is last year's Division 7 champion in Top Dragster, a six-time All-Star, Jegs All-Star representative, currently sitting number five in top sportsman nationally and number seven in top dragster nationally from Pleasant Grove, Utah. Welcome, Ed Olpen. Thanks for having me this morning, Rex. I appreciate it. Yeah, glad to have you on. Um, Hey, you are in the middle of what could be a historic run here um, for our classes, but uh, if you don't mind, uh, take the listeners way back and uh, talk to us about how you got started in the sport. You know, years ago, I uh, started street racing in town here and uh, back when I was in high school. Uh, I've done it for a long time and uh, and uh, just kind of evolved into some NHRA racing at our local track, Rocky Mountain Raceway in Salt Lake, which is now closed down. They, they, it ended last year, and uh, so I raced there for a lot of years. Used to race in Comp Eliminator, believe it or not, back then. They had a local Comp Eliminator class, so... Anyway, we've had a lot of fun with it over the years. Yeah, I think that's interesting that your local track had a had a comp eliminator class um, I, that maybe leads you to wanting to go faster all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess uh, it's an addiction. You start this and you <laughs> kind of evolve through some of the classes and anyway, end up in top sportsman, top dragster, kind of the fastest classes. A- exactly. Um when did when did you decide to run two cars? You know, I've run two cars for years. Back in the early days, Super Gas and Super Comp, when I was running those classes all the time, uh, it just made sense to to take two cars and uh, have two chances at winning. It's impressive. Um, I struggle right now to keep my race car and my lawnmower both running at the same time. So uh, it's it's very impressive to me. Um, do you mind uh, telling us about those cars? Sure. I guess I'll start with the Dragster. It's a 2015 Miller race car's Dragster. Uh, it's got a 674 Sunset engine in it. Uh, transmissions, I use my local guy a lot, Gary Groves, but uh, Steve uh, Kasner, who's one of my competitors in Division 7, is doing some stuff for us now, and also Hughes, I'll use all Hughes' uh, torque converters, but I didn't buy that car till about March last year and thought I'd like to try a little top dragster racing and uh, that uh, that car's worked out pretty well for us so far. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, the top sportsman car is a Bickle race car and, you know, I always liked the pro stock style cars, so that's kind of how I got into top sportsman. I just liked those cars and we bought that guy or that uh, car from a guy back east and and uh, he uh, he was going really fast with it. He was going like 590s with it back there. But uh, we bought it from him and shipped it out and started running top sportsman. We were a little green, but we uh, worked our way into that. that- uh, it's a it's got the same thing. It's I use generally sunset engines, and my local guys here, fast lane machine, do the all the maintenance and keeping up with them uh larry and gold at fast machine are my guys they keep me going yeah um and 
what uh, make model is the door car? It's a 68 Camaro, but it's a 2009, or it was built at Bickles in 2009. Gotcha. And is that a double or single frame rail, Ed? Double frame rail. Yeah, it was, a like I say, a fast car. We're not as fast with it, but uh, it was really fast. Uh, it was PDRA, or I, I don't know a lot about those classes, but uh, anyway, it was really fast back in the day. Yeah, yeah, no, no, makes sense. And uh, so... Are you spraying some nitrous then generally, or do you try not to, or what's your, what's your plan going into race day? Generally, my uh, my top sportsman car is naturally aspirated. Uh, the dragster, when we get to some of these, Vegas is traditionally fast for the division races down there, well, and the national events. <clears throat> but uh, so we spray the dragster to get in generally, and uh, and uh, spray all through the race if we have to. If not, we take it off and just run on engine. Gotcha. But you, you try to set up both your programs um, in terms of the engine management the same then. They're both five-inch bore spaces, is that correct? That's correct. Yep. Yeah, five-inch bore space, 674s, I think they are. Yeah, yep. Yeah. try to set them up the same. We try to keep everything the same. So if something breaks or, or whatever, we've got parts and pieces to get them back together. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, that makes it a little easier for the, your crew. Um, I know you still keep them busy. Who who all runs with you when you're uh, going on these uh, divisional events? You know, my crew guy's Ryan Hanson. He's been with us for years, or since we started running Top Sportsman, and uh, and he's only raced a little bit. He, uh, but he's been her stuck with us and and happy to just crew for us and. And not drive. We put him in a race car one time in Phoenix a few years ago. He licensed one day and went to the semifinals in the division race the next day. So it was a pretty amazing trek. He's probably a better driver than we are. We probably should have him in a car. But anyway, him and my boy, Eddie Alpin, uh, are are my two crew guys that go to the race and all the races with me and couldn't do it without him, that's for sure. I like it. Hey, Ed, for our listeners, uh, describe your day job to everybody. <laughs> well, I think everybody thinks it's a joke when I put down a funeral director on my tech cards, but it's really not. I, uh, our family's been in the funeral service business for, what, four generations. My son's actually a licensed funeral director. He's five generations. So uh, we've been around a long time just here in town, and, uh, and so well, my day job is, funerals and viewings and going on calls so uh yeah we uh we're in the funeral business name of our place is Alpin family mortuary same as my name so yeah pleasant girl i got you and does anyone call you the undertaker (laughs) oh people joke about it a little bit at the races when i'm there but uh yeah i suppose they do (laughs) they give me a bad time about my about my job well, um, but you don't have it on your car or anything. They're just uh, say that uh, just because they're friends with you, right? <laughs> no, I don't. No, nothing on the car. Cars are black. Maybe that helps, right? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, well, you've you've mentioned that you've been uh, you know doing this for a long time, and that uh, you mentioned uh, Steve Kasner earlier. Um, who who else helps you um, with your program, and who's been um, you know, really influential in your in your racing career. Hey, 
I couldn't do it without my local guys. Like I say, I've got a local engine guy. I've got a local transmission guy. I've got a local chassis guy. And I always say if they quit, I'm going to have to quit because, boy, they're sure helpful. Fast lane machine is the guys who keep me going. They're, in fact, I'm going to pick up an engine today that they've been working on. And and Gary Groves, the local transmission guy, has been so good to me over the years. He just keeps us running with the transmissions and and uh, our chassis guy, Chip Nelson Enterprises, if we've got anything needs to be done on the cars, he's he's right on it. So uh, they've really been, uh, you know, keep us going here. Yeah, it makes, makes sense. Um, and then, you know, you, you're in Pleasant Grove, Utah, which is, um, I mean, it here in Division Three, it's a little easier. I mean, everything's pretty close. I mean, travel, I mean, it's several hours but you've got some serious uh miles to put on when you go to an event and i know you went to chicago um already this year um how um do you have any other major trips planned this year i mean or what's the what's the next trip for you i guess oh we're uh i think our closest racetrack's 400 miles away now that our local guys shut down but uh rocky mountain raceway shut down but uh, Vegas is probably our closest, 400, 400 miles. Uh, I try to make a long, one long trip. Uh, I'd probably have gone to Indy if it hadn't been for uh, the Chicago trip this year. But uh, our next trip is uh, Sonoma, and it's 12 to 14 hours to get to Sonoma. And so we're not located perfectly for doing this, but uh, I don't know. We We like to travel and so we just get through it. We put on what fourteen, fifteen thousand miles probably a year on the truck trying to trying to get to all the races, try to go to our quota or, you know, five or six nationals and eight divisionals. Yeah, and um well if you like travel then that's that's a good setup. Is do you have a uh any um routine or superstition that you do on the road? Do you stop any particular restaurant or anything like that? Um typically? <laughs> Oh, I don't think so. My my crew guy Ryan, he's uh, he's a little superstitious about things. Has to do everything the same way. Has to wear the same shirt. The other uh, in Phoenix when we were in the final here uh, the other day, it was getting dark. I, I guess it wasn't this year. It was last year. It was getting dark, and he wore his sunglasses all day, so he had to wear his sunglasses at night. Couldn't see what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a little superstitious. But now nah, we're all right. We just try to do the same thing every run, and and. Uh, so hope it works. Well, you've um, you have been doing that. I mean, uh, as evidenced by where you're sitting in the national standings, um, and we wish you well going forward. And I know your competitors know that. Uh, yeah, you're going to be doing the same thing over and over. So, um, Ed, thanks so much for coming on. Good luck with the rest of the season and uh, travel safe. Oh, good. Appreciate it. Today's half-track report is presented by DragRaceLawyer.com. DragRaceLawyer.com, legal help on and off the track. Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com is a longtime drag racer with over 25 years of experience in small business to large corporate legal work. For all your high-powered legal needs, get DragRaceLawyer.com. As uh, Goose would say, we're going vertical, Mav. Um, we are going to look at results from the national event in Bristol, 
for the Thunder Valley Nationals, and then we're going to go up on the mountaintop for the D5 event in Denver at Brandemere for Thunder on the Mountain. So first of all, let's go to Bristol. The national event was held there. They um, held top sportsmen there only at uh, the Thunder Valley Nationals. And qualifying number one in top sportsmen in his 07 Mustang is Cheyenne Stanley. He went 620 with a one at 232 miles an hour. So congrats to going number one there. Number two was Lester Johnson. He ran a 621 with a three at 205. Yeah, you heard that, uh, read that just like I did. Um, it sounds like Lester threw the shoots at 1,000 foot and still ran a 621. Um, turns out um, apparently he had some mechanical issues that slowed him down. Um he worked extremely hard on Friday night to get that thing back in the show um, and uh, nicely done to get it back rolling, but uh, had some problems, I guess. You know, you're going to have that when you've got 3,000 horsepower you're trying to corral. Um, but the one thing we got to talk about here is um, both Cheyenne Stanley and Lester Johnson are from Cynthiana, Kentucky. You know where Cynthiana, Kentucky's at? I didn't either. Um, turns out it's between Louisville, Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, and Cincinnati, Ohio. It's a town of about 6,000 people. We had previously on the show talked about Gilbert, Arizona, having some fast cars there. That Gilbert, Arizona is about 250,000 people. Cynthiana is 6,000 people. Turns out Cheyenne and Lester are neighbors so I think that officially makes it the fastest neighborhood in the United States. Um, nicely done to those guys right there. But uh, outside of Cynthiana, Kentucky, it was not necessarily a deep field. Uh, there were 22 cars total there and not particularly fast for a national event stage, um, even with the elevation. But uh, ultimately, it was Johnny Brooks over Dylan Scott in the final Um Johnny Brooks wins his first national event Wally in his first final round ever. And that car, that uh, 67 Chevy two is beautiful. Um, it is clean and mean, and he gets the win um, in that bad boy the first time in a final. So congrats to Johnny Brooks for winning that in Bristol. Um, as we make our way West and we go to the division five event in Denver at Brandemere, um, number one in top sportsman is last year's division four champion, Monty Weaver, um, in his 63 Corvette, he goes a 688 with a five at 212 miles an hour. Um, but in the final, it was Bob Prius. Um, I can confirm he does not drive a Prius. Um, he drives a bad ass 69 Camaro and he gets the win over Craig Lyles who broke out in the final. So, Congrats both to Monty for going number one and Bud for going uh, for winning that thing out there in Top Sportsman. Um, as we go to Top Dragster in Denver, the number one qualifier was Anita Strasberg uh, in her 09 Spitzer car. Um, she goes 611 with a three at 234 miles an hour. Um, ultimately, Adam. Joda uh, wins over Victoria Christensen in the final. Um, so Adam ultimately believes that chivalry is dead because he beat um, uh, 
a Victoria in the semifinals. Then he battles Victoria Christensen in the final, um, beats two Victorias um, on his way to winning the top dragster event out there in Denver. Um, as it turns out, eight of the 32 drivers in top dragster were female, which is a, a nice progression, I think, for the sport. Um, but uh, Adam was not overly chivalrous and uh, gets the win out there. Nice work, Adam. Um, hey, next week, um, we've got a few events to cover. So we've got the Division Four event in Belle Rose, Louisiana. We've got the DC D6 uh, event in Mission, BC, uh, British Columbia. Um, they actually have a double event going on up there. And we would have covered the NHRA national event in Norwalk, but that event has been postponed for top sportsmen, top dragster, many of the other super classes, et cetera, just because there's been so much rain in Norwalk that they, they could not get all the cars on the property safely. And that, that is something we've seen all across the country. I mean, it, it has just been a really rough year for um, drag strips, for farmers, for anybody who's trying to make a living outside. Um, here in Indianapolis, they've said that it has rained for 17 straight weekends in a row. Here in Indianapolis, that is uh, tough going. Um, I guess I will say this about um, just running the pro cars at the national event. I am certainly not ever going to second guess Bill Bader, um, but I don't love the precedent. Or maybe I do, um, but it does feel like an experiment to see about if we just run the pro cars and keep the sportsman cars separate. Let's see what happens. And maybe this is a good time to do it, um, uh, but um, we will see how that all shakes out. Um, but the, and we'll let you know exactly when that Norwalk event is, uh, rescheduled for, and we will bring you the results then. Whoa, we are going to get out of the groove, uh, for a minute. Actually check that. We're going to get out of the groove. We're going to go over the wall. We're going to go out the parking lot, um, out of the gates and onto the access road for a minute. Um, I do not do this often. I don't plan on doing this often, but it is important and uh, historically important. And I think uh, just good, uh, this is good for us all to have in our minds because there were two huge upsets uh, this past week and a comeback story for the ages. So first of all, uh, in the NBA Finals, the Toronto Raptors win the world championship over the Golden State Warriors. Now, Golden State has been absolutely dominant for the last five years, and they were huge favorites going in. Toronto has never won squat. They certainly are not um, even expected to go six games here. Um, what happened, though, was Golden State loses Kevin Durant, KD, and they lose Klay Thompson to um, first-team uh, first ballot Hall of Famers um, due to injury. Of course, they still have the best shooter ever to play the game in Steph Curry. They still have two perennial all-stars in Draymond Green and Boogie Cousins. But think about this. Last year, San Antonio ships the claw, Kawhi Leonard, to an outpost, to Toronto, where there's only two seasons, winter and misery. This was not... A supposed to be a good trade for Kawhi. He was a little 
uh, disgruntled. It was supposed to be punishment. Um, yeah, Toronto has what they call Jurassic Park, um, what appears to be a great fan base, or what I like to call people wearing coats in June. They ha- it's, uh, it's, it's not exactly a basketball mecca. Of course, they have guys like Fred Van Bleet, uh, Jimmy Sakovich's guy from Wichita State, but those guys are not supposed to win you world championships. You know what the Claw said? The Claw said almost nothing, but he did say this. He said, it's about the process and went to work getting his team better. They got some nice bounces along the way. Game seven in the Eastern Conference Finals comes to mind, plus the injuries we just mentioned here a minute ago to Katie and Clay. But now they are the world champions. Uh, Canada hasn't been this important to basketball since James Naismith invented the game, um, but they went to work. They did not complain. Claude didn't complain. He went to work and ultimately became a champion. Um, but that isn't even the best sports story of the week. It's not even close. Um, for that, I have to take you back to January 6th, 2019. Um, that's when the St. Louis Blues were dead last in the NHL. Um, and what happened was on January 6th, some of the guys that play for the Blues were watching the Eagles-Bears NFL playoff game at a bar. They hear the song Gloria by Laura Branigan, and they loved it. Um, and they kept asking the DJ to play it over and over again, and they loved it. So keep in mind, that song was a hit in 1982. These kids weren't born yet. They had no idea how hot Laura Branigan was. Um, but they go back to St. Louis, and before the home game, they tell the PA guy as they're rolling uh, onto the rink, they say, when we win tonight, play Gloria. The PA guy is going, the sack on these kids. They're in last place. They're not winning anything. What do you mean when we win tonight? But, you know, uh, off they go, and sure enough, they win. So the PA guy, true to his word, plays Gloria. The place goes nuts. Um, the next night, as they're skating onto the rink, the, the guys say to the PA guy, play Gloria tonight when we win. Um, at that point, they, guess what? They win. And they win the night after. And they win the night after. And all of a sudden, they're not in last place anymore. They are in the playoffs. And last Wednesday, they played in Game 7 for Lord Stanley's Cup, going from dead last to Game 7 in the whole town. Um, they, that game was played on the road in Boston, but the Scott trade, Scott trade center where the blues play completely full Bush stadium, where the Cardinals baseball team plays completely full. The entire downtown St. Louis completely full. The whole town is going nuts. And every time they win, they're playing this song. It's, you know, you might argue that it's the greatest song of all time. Um, I don't know if that is true, but it, it, certainly is in the top three, Um, but they go from last place to world champs for the first time in their franchise history as well because they believed. Now, some of you may not have started off like Bart Smith this year. Some of you might have had an extremely slow start to the NHRA year, uh, unlike Ross Laris, but keep working 
Keep grinding. Keep honing your craft. And above all, keep believing. As we hit the mile per hour cone here, um, let's just take a second to uh, talk about Father's Day. That was this past Sunday, uh, likely the greatest day in the evolution of motorsports. I mean, I would not be who I am or involved with racing like I am without my father and his desire to have me hold the flashlight correctly and hand me the 916s all those years. Um like many of you, he's been a tremendous example of how to go about things, and I certainly appreciate him doing all the things he does for me and getting me involved with this sport. Um, I sincerely hope that all of you had an opportunity to thank your fathers or, or uh, on the flip side, hang with your children on Father's Day. Um, we have all gotten involved um, with this sport it's seemingly um, through our fathers, and uh, what a great way to celebrate them. Okay, that is the show. We took the stripe. We got the wind light. So that is episode number nine. It is time to pull the shoots on this week's episode. Hey, it's been nine weeks now. Uh, the show is catching on. The feedback has been tremendous. And I'm working hard to make this something that you spend your greatest resource on each week, which is time. Um, I do have one ask, though. Um, please subscribe and follow us uh, and make comments. Um, you can say anything like, my car is fast, or I follow directions, or be fast or be last. I don't care. Um, it's just what Facebook and Twitter and all the uh, the algorithms out there, it's how they push us. It doesn't really have anything to do with my ego, but it is necessary. So uh, retweet, um, share the post, um, mention them to your friends uh, so the word gets out. You are in already. Relay it to someone else who might get it too. Um, and also let me know where you listen to your podcast. I will make it easier for you, but there are lots of ways to listen out there. And I want to, uh, be focused on where I send this thing out. So, uh, you can tweet me at fast brackets on Twitter. You can like, or message me on the fast brackets podcast page on Facebook. That's it for episode number nine. Next week, we will have Lester, Andrew, Ashley Johnson, and if I can round up a few more Johnsons, I'll do that as well. I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. If you are listening to our show, you love fast bracket racing as much as I do. When you're finished with this episode, swipe over to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. It's available wherever you find the Fast Brackets Podcast. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast is hosted by my friend and two-time NHRA world champion, Luke Bogaki, and his partner, legendary voice of bracket racing and an accomplished racer himself, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. On their weekly show, the duo discusses all the latest news in sportsman drag racing, from the NHRA tour to big buck brackets and everything in between. They host regular interviews with the rock stars of our sport, 
from every angle, drivers, promoters, media members, and more. Check out the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast wherever you find your podcast or at thisisbracketracing.com slash podcast. Hey, that was a fascinating story about the blues, man. Play Gloria, brother. It's uh, one of the greatest songs in the history of all time. You think it's the greatest song of all time, don't you? I think it's, um, I mean, it's hard to argue it against it at this point. I mean, um, you know, a uh, hot chick singing an upbeat song that takes a franchise that's never won ever uh, and vigorizes a whole city to the uh, championship. Hard to argue, brother. <laughs> you're not you're not sold. 